This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 302 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Show me the money. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. And today's show has been brought to you by the wonderful folks at Kentucky Performance Products and listeners like you. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. We bring you the news through hell, high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Helena B. And this is Coach Jen in Studio B. In Studio (laughs) B. Studio V. There's only Studio V, everybody. (laughs) But in case you're wondering, you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Welcome back, Coach Jen. It's a lovely morning here in New England. What's it like down there in Ocala? It is beautiful. I am looking out my Studio B window at the overpopulated herd of squirrels in the front yard. What's with the squirrels? Is there any? Do squirrels have any natural enemy? I've seen a squirrel or two in a neighborhood of mine that was picked out by a hawk. Yeah. Swoops in, grabs that little bugger out and takes it home for dinner. Then we need to have some, we need to have some kind of a program to encourage more hawks to move into the neighborhood because I've too freaking many squirrels. Okay. (laughs) Are they fat and happy squirrels? Oh my gosh. Are they fat and happy? You walk out and they use the fences in the pastures as little interstate systems. Fences in the pasture, and you'll go out, and sometimes you'll you can count a dozen squirrels cruising across the uh, fence line interstate. It's crazy. They oh. come up, and I have I have a little tiny patio table right outside the window on the front deck here, and it's got a little flower pot on top. And the squirrels, I don't know if it's the same squirrel every day, if it's his friends, if it's some kind of a gang initiation. <laughs> The, the little squirrel will hop up on that table, and that squirrel is literally close enough that if the window was open, I could reach my arm out and strangle him. Ooh, and, I strangle him. And they Jen. will come up there, and they will stare at me, and I will stand up, and I'll tap on the window with my finger. Tip, tap, 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 tap. And he just sits there and looks at me. <laughs> Window's closed, and I know it. <laughs> he also knows that the cat lives inside. And the cat lives inside. I'm, I'm tempted to leave the cat out so he can just irritate the dickens out of the squirrels. Ooh. Um, <sighs> All right. I'm sorry. I had so, to rant. I'm sorry. You're starting to remind me of what's his name from um, um, Caddyshack, Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, with the groundhogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to be out there with dynamite soon. <laughs> oh, man. And we were kind of hoping of last, over the winter, the property owner, our landlord, had the trees, it's not called topping, but they thin out the dead branches and they thin them out so you can get a little bit more light through the canopy. 
Yeah, yeah. And they did that over the winter, and they took a lot of branches out. It was a couple of tractor-trailer loads full of branches, because there's a lot of trees. And we were rather hoping that because there are few tree limbs and branches, there would be fewer acorns, There would, for there would be fewer squirrels. That's That was the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, come on, Jen, you've been doing this long enough to know better. If they weren't so bold, it's the one that jumps up on the table right in front of me that pisses me off. <laughs> he has an issue with authority. He, has he a does. Right. <laughs> He's a little protester. He's got a little tiny sign there. So little squirrels for squirrels. disobedience. <laughs> yeah, it's squirrels disobedience is what it is. <laughs> well, there's lots of disobedience in our world, squirrels or not. Um, but today on, on this show, we're, it's going to be relatively tame. It'll be fun, but there will be no disobedience. We are going to hear from two really unique and fun people. The first is Monet Mary, and she's with Rerun Inc. out of Lexington, Kentucky. And she's going to talk to us about, um, well, they have a special auction that's going on. Um, it's an auction of Monet's. N-E-I-G-H-S by Triple Crown Race Winners. That's kind of interesting. Yes, paintings by horses. They're going to be cool. – and that, that's, that's not disobedience. That is expressing their artistic flair. So it's always fun to talk to Mary. And then we're also going to be chit-chatting with Heidi Harriet. Our regular listeners to the Horse Radio Network may remember that name because she's been on – both Stable Scoop and Horses in the Morning before. Well, she's got a new project in the works now that Arabian Nights in Orlando, Florida, where she used to work, has closed. The owner's retired. She has moved north and has a new show going up there, and she's going to stop by and tell us all about it. So we have two really cool guests, and of course, we're, Jen and I will dig into a, um, well, right now it's a mystery item for Tack and Habit. <laughs> We're going to tell you about our pick for this week's product. And, of course, we'll overanalyze it. Uh, We'll take you along on that ride and all the other great things that happen on a Stable Scoop show in any given week. Typically, those things are bloopers. I have the recorder going. That's right. And Jennifer has the recorder going. Jennifer's a little bit kinder than Glenn is. But if you have not become a Horse Radio Network auditor, let me suggest that you do so for one very particular reason, and that is to listen to the first blooper episode, which features <clears throat> me. Yes. Because, really, honestly, I have reels and reels and reels of bloopers. You are the I czar. You are the czar of bloopers. I mess up a gazillion times per show. And, you know, I went back and listened to it. Glenn's like, here's the link to the show. Take a listen. I cracked up. I was like, holy cow, I'm kind of funny. <laughs> But this show is only available to, to um, HRN auditors, and we it's the first of many really cool things that will be available to the closest friends of the Horse Radio Network. So we suggest you check out Becoming an Auditor. Just go to stablescoop.com, and there's a Become an Auditor banner kind of smack in the middle of the page so you can't miss it. So check it out. We're going to take a quick break to hear from today's sponsor, and then we will be back with Monet Mary. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Electrolytes. Who needs them? Your horse, that's who. 
Electrolytes perform critical functions within your horse's body. They help regulate nerve and muscle functions by carrying electrical impulses between cells. In addition, electrolytes assist the body in maintaining a healthy fluid balance by controlling your horse's desire to drink. When your horse loses significant amounts of electrolytes and fluids, problems such as dehydration, muscle cramping, fatigue, tying up, and colic may occur. Even in mild forms, these conditions can have a negative impact on your horse's ability to perform and recover after exercise. Top riders and veterinarians turn to Summer Games Electrolyte to keep their horse healthy in hot weather, and you can too. Summer Games replenishes the electrolytes and trace minerals lost when your horse sweats, and it stimulates the thirst response so your horse continues to drink and stay properly hydrated. So when the going gets hot, Trust Summer Games Electrolyte from Kentucky Performance Products to protect your horse. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. us this morning, Mary Simons, who is with Rerun Inc. out of Lexington, Kentucky. She's also known as Monet Mary, and she's going to tell us a little bit about where she got that name from and what it means and why it is so freaking cool. Welcome, Mary. Hi. Good morning. Thank you. Um, well, we got the name back in 2000. Uh, the directors who founded Rerun went to another animal rescue function and saw cats and dogs who did paintings, and they said, hmm, I wonder if a horse would do that. So they gave it a try with R. Mims. That was Eladar's sister. She was an eclipse winner herself. And uh, it took a while, but they got her to paint. And they said, now we need a name. So they said, hmm, they thought and thought and thought, and they brainstormed and came up with Monet because of the French artist and then the sound the horse makes. So the name stuck, and we got a trademark on it, so we're the only ones that call our paintings Monet's. I love that. I love that. It's really cute. Now, the, the first question, obviously, that comes to mind, I want to talk about the program and everything and what, it, what the, the benefits are, but I, before I forget, when you said it took a little while for her to start painting, how, tell us about that process. You, you, hand, you hand a horse a paintbrush and then wait. What happens? It, it all depends on the horses. They're all different, and it depends on how much time you have. Now, with her, she was living on the property of the volunteer who had her, so she could take her time. And they tried the carrots and the mints, and they put the end of the brush and peppermint oil and to make her grab it, you know, so they could take their time. Uh, with most of the, the stallions that we go to see, you know, they're on famous farms, and those people are busy, so we want to get in and get out as fast as possible. So we kind of do whatever stroke that the horse wants to do. Now, some of the horses uh, were willing to hold a paintbrush, like Cigar, he would hold a brush, and Funny Side would hold a brush, Empire Maker would hold a brush, and you just never know. And so if, if they've held sticks before or if somebody's trained them to, you know, fetch, um, they, they'll do it. But otherwise, we kind of just let them go with their muzzle. Uh, if they have long whiskers, you can get the paint on the whiskers, and it makes a nice, delicate, light stroke. And, and if they're really ornery and they don't want you near their face, then we'll go to the tail stroke, and we'll dip uh, the paint uh, on the tail and let them go with that. So That's interesting. And there are... <clears throat> so right now they have um, several famous artists, including Funny Side, Mind That Bird, Street Sense, and... 
these these horses, obviously, as you said, are living on these great big farms and everyone's really busy. So you essentially, your organization contacts these farms and the, and the owners of these horses and says, this is what we'd like to do. How easy or how difficult is it to actually get access to these horses to do this project? Well, some of the farms, you know, they're, uh, and trainers and owners are very, very philanthropic. I mean, they'll do whatever they can for charity. And then some of them are so barraged by people asking for money and halters and whatever that they kind of say no because, you know, if they let one do something, then they have to let others, and they don't want to do that. So it's kind of up to the individuals and depending on, you know, what type of operation they're running and how busy they are. But uh we're very, very lucky that most of them will cooperate. Uh, some of them have said no and and just, you know, no, no, no constantly every time we ask. But uh, every once in a while you get one in there that you're very surprised at. And uh, kind of like with uh, Wise Dan, when they learned, uh, when Charlie LaPresti learned that Suge McKay let Orb paint, <laughs> then they said, well, I guess, you know, he survived it and he's okay, so I guess we can let Wise Dan do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> little little peer pressure right there. Yeah. It took us like three years to get Nick Zito to let us do it because he was always afraid, you know, he's very conscientious about his horses and he was afraid something was going to happen to him. Well, that, that, begs, saw... <laughs> that begs the question, Mary, what kind of paint do you use? Because obviously it's horse-safe paint. Oh, yeah, it's non-toxic children's paint, you know, what they use in schools and stuff like that, kind of poster paint. comes off with water. It's, uh, you can eat it. It's not going to hurt them. And um, the only thing that probably run into is the black does not come out of white. If you have a white shirt on and the horse decides to nuzzle you a little bit with the black paint, it's really hard to get out. Ah, so <laughs> any, any horse with white markings on his face will not have any black paint in his painting. Now, <laughs> how do you choose the colors? Because each horse has a unique palette, and a unique color palette of his very own that is special to him. How do you choose those colors? Well, we used to let the horse choose. We'd put like six or seven colors on a paper plate and let them pick the one that they wanted. But um, some of them, especially Cigar, with his favorite colors, were purple and green. So when you got purple and green together, they made brown. Yeah. So you had a very, very kind of like dull, <laughs> ugly painting. <laughs> now, they did sell, you know, because it was cigar, but it just wasn't pretty. So then we started practicing. We used their silk colors. We'd start with that and then uh, kind of look at their name. Like Cherokee Run is kind of gives you a little Southwest Indian feeling. So we went with the Southwest colors on that. And then the girls... We thought, well, they're girls. We have to be feminine, so let's put in some pink and purple and lilac, you know. And so it kind of just evolves, and then sometimes they throw another color in that we don't expect, like something's left over from one painting, that, and then we stick another piece of paper at them and let them go with another one, and so that kind of comes off on it. It just come, evolves, I guess is the word. It just evolves. It's an artistic process. Exactly. Artist. Now, how did you know that Cigar's favorite color was purple? Because that's what he would pick. He would put all the color, different colors on the paper plate, and he kept going for the purple and the green. So maybe he likes clover and you know green grass, and that made him think of that. You'd think that they'd all go for orange, wouldn't you, for carrot color? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I wonder if it's the different colors smell like... different. Well, I oh, think it might maybe. Because they, none of them like yellow. Interesting. And that there must be a, a, a smell, you know, and the pigment of the yellow that they don't like, so they kind of shy away from the yellow. Interesting. Um, it is interesting. It's, who knew? Who knew? 
Wow. And, and they see things. You know, sometimes they we let them go all over the paper. They just kind of smush around at their own leisure. And sometimes we have to give them a little encouragement by turning the paper because they're getting it all up in one corner. So we have to, like, move the paper over. But uh, it's sometimes you see things in these paintings. It's like, now, where did they get that? Because we had um, a Nick Zito horse come through Lexington one time, and he had never been outside of California and outside of his stall area in California. And he came to Kentucky for a little layup, and on the first time he'd ever been outside, he was in a paddock, and next to him was two other horses. And when he painted a painting, he painted a fence with two horses on the other side. No. Not, I mean, yeah, it was just like really creepy. It's like, how, you know, this is, this horse is interpreting this, and he put it on the paper. It was so cool. <laughs> so it, it, you just never know what you're going to get. So the, the actual result of them putting a, a paintbrush to paper is something that's, uh, I, I <laughs> that makes sense. It, do you do you feel like that they actually have a sense of cause and effect between the brush and what they're doing? It's hard to say. You know, I can't get in their mind. It's just, but it is amazing that some of them really do get full of expression and will down where they uh, they just can't stop putting the paint on the paper. They'll just like Congaree. He's a a painting fool. He's just like all over the place. Like, give me more. Give me more. I want to paint. <laughs> And it's like, okay, okay, you know, you just, it, they, they do, I think, they're like children, I think they want an outlet. Yeah. They say, this is fun, and then some of them will go like, I'm a star, do not get in my space, don't come near me, you know, I, what do you want me to do, why do you want me to do this? So you have to explain to them, this is for charity, this is for the other horses that have not made it like you have, and they need help. And so they'll go like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh. It's a challenge. So I, I'm, I'm really happy to, to hear that this program is going, that it's successful, and that, um, well, we have it. It's coming up. Actually, the, the, the peak of the program is an auction of the paintings that are created by nine Triple Crown winners. Um, and the, the auction is going to be held on eBay June 2nd through the 9th of this year. Uh, where can people go to find more information about what's available and about the program? Well, we have a Facebook page, Monet's for Rerun. They can look on there. Uh, we have the website, the Rerun website, which is uh, rerunottb.com. And, uh, and then go to eBay on the actual start of the, Well, there's always some paintings on eBay that are available for a donation. So and you can look at any time, go to eBay and type the search word Monet. And remember, it's M-O-N-E-I-G-H. And uh, they can see what they look like. And, but the big auctions, we have two of them a year in June and December for the holidays. And like you said, this one is Triple Crown Race Winners. And, uh, I mean, we have done so many derby winners. It's, we've been so lucky. Some of them have sold already, but uh, we continue to try to get more and more. And hopefully we can get a California Chrome after things settle down. I'm hoping Woo-hoo! for that. So uh, <laughs> you never know. You never know. You never know. Well, we're we're very happy that you were able to come on and share this with us. And we encourage our listeners to go on to eBay and um, do your little search, Monet's with an S, 
Well, you can do Monet, right? M-O-N-E-I-G. Monet, yeah. No, you don't need One, an S. No, no S. S. M-O-N-E-I-G-H. And of course, we will put links up on StableScoop.com as well as our own Facebook page. Thank you very much to Mary Simons of Rerun Inc. in Lexington, Kentucky. We're happy you could join us. here, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show on the Horse Radio Network. The way consumers interact with the brands they have trusted for years and those they are about to fall in love with for the first time is becoming more and more mobile, literally, and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Podcasts or internet radio shows like this one combine the new consumer preference for on-demand information and entertainment with the power of niche market audiences. Advertising on the Horse Radio Network podcasts allows you to reach the equestrian consumer using today's preferred on-demand delivery system. It's cost-effective and flexible, able to reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. To learn more about advertising on this show or any of the shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact us at 859-951-2022 or you can email us at glenn at horseradionetwork.com. That's glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com. Come and join the Horse Radio Network family. You'll enjoy the ride. And it's my pleasure to welcome back to Stable Scoop Radio Show, Heidi Harriet from HeidiHarriet.com. She does horse tricks. And she does wonderful entertainment with horses. And we met her way back in 2013 when we had a, a personal visit at and behind-the-scenes look at Arabian Nights. Welcome back to the show, Heidi. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad that you dropped us an email to let us know that you're up to something new and fun. But let's start at the beginning. For our listeners who are recent newbies to the show and maybe don't are not familiar with you from your, your last visit here at Stable Scoop. Tell everybody a little bit about your background. It's extensive, so we'll have to keep it to the Reader's Digest version. <laughs> <laughs> Gladly. Well, I'm, a, uh, I'm really proud that I'm a third-generation entertainer and horse trainer. I grew up um, around all, a variety of animals, but my family particularly specializes in horses. And we do exhibitions. We've never actually competed with our horses or that type of thing. We do shows. So at fairs or rodeos, specialty accident events, circus, that type of thing. And um, so I've, I've been so privileged to be able to grow up doing that and traveling the country and parts of the world. And um, the, the particular things that we do that, that, that folks have been excited about are liberty displays. And the type of liberty we do actually include multiple horses. And generally are done in a round, um, more of a ring, but can also be done in the arena. Dancing horses, also known as high school, which is come through the French word haute école. So that actually predates dressage. We can talk about that a little bit more. And then trick horses. My uh, little horse, Lucky Star, does a little trick act. He says yes and no and ties handkerchiefs and um, goes to bed and covers up and that type of thing. And <laughs> he's a real hit. <laughs> I had a horse similar to him that went on Pet Star years ago in Golden Nugget. So those are usually the things that people get the most excited about. So what I've done is taking, taking what I do, um, what I've been handed through my family and 
the gifts that I've been given uh, to be able to work with animals and um, pass that along. And I've done that in a couple ways. I do it on my website through the YouTube videos. And then I have a, a TV show called Horse Tricks, and it's spelled T-R-I-X. It's all one word, Horse Tricks. And I actually take viewers step by step through training some of the tricks that we do. And um, so it allows them to have fun with their horses. That's pretty cool. So you have... Go ahead, Jen. Hang on. Uh, Cut there. We'll take that weird little sound out. Sound out, yeah. Yeah, and we're back. Now, Okay. and uh, three, two, one. Go ahead, Helena. Um, So clearly all of these tricks, they're fun. They're fun for you. They're... um, they're fun for the people watching, and I'm going to take a guess and say that they're fun for the horses. But you have these principles of training that that create these tricks. It's not just um, you're not working just working with horses that are um, predisposed to doing tricks. There's a, a, a philosophy of training that you use, and is it very different than how we would otherwise train horses for riding or athletic performance? What's the difference? No, great there? question. It's a great question, and I'm glad you brought it up. I I do um, have my training program. It's um, I have four phases of training. The first is um, phase one: general manners and behavior. So every horse, regardless of what you're going to do with them, needs to have a wonderful foundation: stall manners, being led, being tied, groomed, bathed um, during feeding, that type of thing. Itself. The next phase is to the groundwork and the basic riding. Phase three is called horseplay. That's where the tricks come in and the fun stuff. That's where then you take your horse out on a lead line and let him eat grass or play with him or teach him to do some of the basic tricks. Phase four is advanced discipline. Whatever you're going to do with your horse beyond there. So the way the philosophy of training that I grew up with, every horse has to have a great start before we can really move on to do anything with him, even teach him tricks. Because what will keep the environment safe? First and foremost, have a safe environment with very large animals. And um, so from there, then, we want to teach them the, the ground rules. We want them to understand how we're going to work with them. We want to establish that we're their leaders, but we're going to take care of them. We're going to listen to them. We're going to stay in tune with them. But somebody's got to be in charge of the relationship. If you do the basics well, the, the uh, trick training or the things that you get to as you move forward well, it should come fairly easily. And I'm actually responding to quite a few emails the other day. I have had a pretty bad cold, so I had a day off and I had to lay on the couch. And I actually caught up on some email, several of my viewers and followers email. And almost all the questions I had a similar answer for, whether it was my horse bucks me off, he boxed when I'm riding, I can't get him to bow down for me. All all nature of questions, because I do just general horsemanship as well. I always, pretty much always say to them, I'll be happy to do some online coaching with you, send me a video, but I'm pretty sure we're going to have to take this back to the beginning and develop the relationship between you and your horse better so that he understands that you're going to keep him comfortable, you're going to keep him safe. Not going to ask him to do anything that he can't do and is capable of doing but that when you ask him or show him, you want him to respond. So that's pretty much how I approach it. This is fascinating stuff. I never think of trick training from the point of view of the 
the horse that's not a professional trick horse. <laughs> so yeah. that, that, that leads me to wonder, once the horse has gotten through the initial phases and it's okay, I'm going to teach him a trick. Is there sort of basic trick? Like when you teach a dog that's a house pet um, obedience, you start with certain skill sets. There's trick number yeah. one is pretty much universal. Does it work that way for a horse or is there more variance because of um, human or horse personality? Or is there sort of, this is the first trick you teach your horse. In my program, I do encourage people to start in a certain way. And again, because it allows you to see how you're going to interact with the horse when you take them out of maybe the, the environment that you've been working in. Let's say you've always, you're a barrel racer or you're just a trail rider or you do obstacles. So now you're looking to mix it up a bit. And by the way, one of the reasons I encourage trick training is because it helps. It's a bit of cross training, but it helps you establish a bond. And particularly for those folks who may not be riding yet or have gotten a little older and get uncomfortable riding, which I can understand, or, you know, just have an older horse um, who they really want to have some more fun with and they're kind of getting bored of just going out to the bar and putting them on a rope and watching the grass. So there's lots of reasons to do it. But um, I do start with the yes and the no and the smile. The reason is they're tricks that establish you being able to stand beside your horse and move a little differently than you might have and keep the environment safe and see if they're listening to you. And they're very easy. And the yes, you will use in a multitude of ways. The horse, once he learns to pick something up, he can wave the flag, um, the smile, the same thing. There's just so many ways to use it. And you can have instant fun and um, or pretty pretty close to that. So I want people to have a success under their belt, feel comfortable about it. And I can't tell you how fun it is to stand in the barn and be talking to your horse and have them answer you when you say no. <laughs> and then smile at you at the wrong moment. It's it's quite funny. <laughs> That's really funny. So in your new show where you're working at now, dancing the, the Dancing Horses. I'm sure we're going to be smiles and yeses and noses and all sorts of really advanced tricks. Tell us a little bit about this new show that you're working in. It's fantastic. It's um, This show has been around in the location we're at right now for 12 years. And for about eight years prior to that, it's been in different locations up here in the Lake Geneva, Delavan, Wisconsin area. It's the uh, vision and dream of a, a gal named Dana Montana, and um, she used to raise Arabian horses and breed them and show them. She had a magnificent stallion called Bosket Robbins, and from that horse and her her uh, um, attachment to that horse and how beautiful he was, she bred him, had sons and daughters, and now we have the grandchildren. She wanted to showcase him more in a setting and, and his um, offspring in a setting of a show as opposed to a competition, a horse show, so to speak. So she created the Dancing Horses and hired has hired so many professional trainers along the way, who's who uh, trainers in the world that I've been in. And um, so our show involves a variety of disciplines, not unlike the Arabian Night show that was so popular in Orlando for years and is now closed, sadly. We have a variety of disciplines. We do dressage and high school riding. We work in hand on long lines. We have beautiful liberty work from a single liberty horse to a beautiful six-horse liberty display, all working at liberty. 
we have reining, we have bridalist um, riding, we bareback riding, and we incorporate some aerial work. We have a beautiful western finale. So we really, you know, for those who are, you know, well, I'm not a dressage rider or I'm not a horse person, it's meant to entertain anyone and everyone. Um, beautiful Las Vegas-style costumes, great music, big video screen to accompany and help introduce some of the things. And a, and, a, and a climate called Arena. So it's just a lovely show. I've been here about six weeks now and performing in the show. And then I'm having fun training. We've got a lot of three- and four-year-old horses here. And the nucleus of our show are Arabians. And um, so I'm having some fun training horses as well. My father and mother have uh, trained and performed here in the past. And right now my daughter's here on a break from college. She loves show business and uh, likes to follow in the family footsteps. We're trying to get her through school. So she's here riding the show and performing one of the aerial acts. So three generations of the Harriet family have been a part of the Dancing Horse Theater. So that's great fun for me. That's so cool. It's a family show in every sense. Yes, yes. Our families are entertaining your families. That's right, and I've I noticed on your website that you can get you can uh, buy an add-on ticket to get a behind-the-scenes tour, which we have taken, Glenn and I, and I highly recommend the behind-the-scenes tour to everyone. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's the we best take part. We backstage and show you. What's fun is um, the backstage tour. People will always ask us when they watch a show, "How long did it take to train that horse?" I ride my high school horse. And just to touch on that quickly, I explained earlier, high school comes from the French word hauticole. It literally means a higher level of schooling. It predates dressage. So it's a lot of the dressage movements were born, dressage was born of high school, think the Spanish riding school. So it can include things like the airs above the ground or the beautiful Spanish march, rares, um, bows, the beautiful camel stretch breakdown. Um, so I ride a high school horse. So no matter what act in the show, someone will ask in our backstage for how long it took to train them. So my answer is generally this. It took me about a year to train my horse to do high school. I, I had a reigning horse. I just loved her look and loved um, her movement. So I took her and I trained her to do high school. So she had a nice foundation. But it takes equally as much time, so in this case a year, to take that horse and be able to get the same result any place, anytime, anywhere. I think I talked to you folks one time from the Hoosier Horse Fair. I've done the Midwest Horse Fair. Yes. I do a variety of shows. Yep. So I need to get on those horses or on the ground and work them and go out in front of a various you know, audiences and lighting scenarios and commotion around us, maybe at the county fair with the, you know, the rides and the blow-up inflatable things, and get the same result. That takes as the same amount of time as the actual training of the behavior. So we take you backstage. We give you a little peek into that, and I show you a little bit about that, and then we actually take you back to meet the real stars of these shows, which are, of course, always the horses. So Jen and I can sit here and talk about this all day long, but I have one last question before we have to wrap up. Do you think that um, training horses to do tricks is a good way to establish a training relationship with them uh, before you venture into some of the more um, complicated things? Not that trick training is not complicated, but do you think it's a good foundation, a good way to establish a relationship before you do start to maybe go outside the scope of what is comfortable for you in terms of training? 
Absolutely. Again, always start with the basics. Make sure that the fundamentals and the, the general manners and behaviors are solidly in place. But absolutely, the basic tricks, particularly, are gonna are gonna tell you so much about your relationship with the horse. You're also gonna have a lot of fun. I find it gives people a little bit more patience when working with their horse on other disciplines. So even if you're doing it concurrent, let's say you want to train a barrel horse, you've done all the foundation work, and now you're starting to train your barrel horse, but maybe before you go out and start on your barrel work or your trails or whatever it is, or just after, you get off your horse and you stand there with them and do some of this stuff, it will it will pay you back so many times because you'll you'll establish such a stronger bond and you'll you'll realize how much further it's gonna take you. And you'll also help you see the holes in maybe your foundation, which you need to go back and fix and then you're just gonna sail through and have such a great time. And at the end of the day it's all about I want people to have a great relationship with their horse and I want them to discover new ways that don't cost a lot of money, that don't have to take you away from the barn. You don't have to trailer out somewhere. Just go on YouTube or go on my website, and I'm providing it all free right now. And as long as I can do that, I will be happy to because I want people to have a lot of fun with their horses. And uh, and by the way, before I forget, our, our ticket price here at the Dancing Horses is very inexpensive as well. Twenty seven fifty gets you the horse show. We also have a bird show. Echo, the, the parrot from America's Got Talent, is here. Lots of baby animals in our petting zoo in our baby barn area. So, you know, come and see us at work, and um, we'll we'll talk you through some of it. That is so awesome. Thank you very much for giving us the – and the ticket price is very reasonable. Um, unlike some of the other shows that have been around for a long time, the – Dan- the Dancing Horses show, you can choose to have a meal with the show or not, which makes yes. the, the ticket price very, very affordable for families. So thank you again, Heidi, for being on the show with us, and good luck, and we'll hope to see you in Wisconsin soon. Yeah, absolutely. Come and visit anytime. We'd love to host you. And it's the dancinghorses.com, so you can get more information there. But thank you again for your time today. I always enjoy this. Thanks, Heidi. Take care. Heidi is so much fun to talk to, but we've got to hurry right along because uh, Helena is multitasking as usual today. <laughs> uh, so cue the, cue the tack and habit music, and here we go. My tack, uh, it's my turn to do tack and habit today. Okay. And I have a double product tack and habit uh, because there are two products that I know of that serve this function. They have discovered through actual scientific research that the enemy of the horse's hoof is getting wet, getting dry, getting wet, getting dry. It is that cyclical um, thing that happens, especially to competition horses because they get washed a lot where the foot becomes saturated from bathing or standing in wet grass and then gets dry again, standing in the nice dry bedding, which we know is good for our horse. So a hoof sealant can be your friend. A hoof sealant does not, quote, moisturize the hoof. What it does is it helps to seal the exterior of the hoof, the hoof wall, so that the hoof does not become saturated. It can, it can hold moisture. It can gather moisture from the coronet and the sole, but it 
is less likely, likely to become saturated. And two products that have been on the market for many, many years and are time-tested and proven are Tough Stuff, which is made by Mustad, and Caratex, which is a hardening, what they call hoof hardener. Caratex has a wide variety of products. They have one that's called the hoof hardener. Uh, I use Tough Stuff on Beaker here at home because it's easy to come by and very economical. You put it on a little bit like nail polish, except you only do the bottom two-thirds of the hoof wall. And whenever the dew is heavy on the grass, which is most of the year here in Florida, I use it and I put it on every two to three days. And it definitely reduces the number of sand cracks, those tiny Mm. little crack fissures that you see that start at the ground level and move up. Yep. He is prone to those whenever his feet get wet, dry, wet, dry. And it definitely reduces them in number. And I'm very pleased. So check out a hoof hardening or hoof sealant product at your local tack and feed store or online. You can look for those and see if that can help out your horse, especially if he's in wet grass and gets a lot of baths. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah, we have lots of wet grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm constantly patting those feet dry. Yeah. Yeah. Good, tough stuff. I'm a fan. I use it. I love it. I've used the other, um, the Caratex, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I love that as well. But the um, the tough stuff has, has been, that's one of those things that you always stock up when you're down to a quarter of it. You're like, all right, I need more. Yeah. It's economical. It's easy to use. Yeah. Yes. Cool. There you all right. What else and, you got? And, well, that was it. And the folks at Delta Mustad Hoof Care, they can pay us to say that if they'd like to, but they didn't. They didn't. No. no. And you see, that's the thing about Jennifer and I. And, and, and this is a, the thing about products in general for horse people is um, it really does you no good to... Uh, to to talk about or promote things that just don't work. And in our line of happiness, I'm going to call because, you know, some of it's work, some of it's hobby, but in our line of happiness, telling you about any kind of product that's going to make your life easier or enable you to do a better job of caring for your horses is just our absolute pleasure. So there we go. we're going to tell you about the good stuff. There's plenty the of bad stuff. stuff out there. We don't need to talk about that. We're just going to tell you about nope. the good stuff. And these are two products that are, we would consider Good stuffs. Good stuffs. There we go. So let's wrap this up, Helena. Yes, ma'am. Boy, we're good. When we really need to get going, we're good. So this was episode 302 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. And if you want more information about uh, today's guests, their programs, or the products we've talked about, just log on to stablescoop.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Do a quickie search for Stable Scoop. Become a fan and you'll get notifications of all the shows when they go up and our guests and all kinds of fun stuff. And of course, our deepest thanks to this week's sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. You can find them online at kppusa.com. And I think that's it. Download the app, Horse Radio Network, at your app store for iPhone or Android. It's a good, and it's free. And it's free. And it's free. And be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. That is it for this week, Jen, but there will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping. You got it. Mm-hmm.